0: Uh, But today I want to talk to you about the city of Memphis. Uh, we've preached a few sermons here at City Church through the years on Olive Branch, right? We are City Church for Olive Branch. We've talked about this specific suburb, this specific city that God has placed us in. We've hashtagged 4OB and put it on t-shirts and, and branded that. We've even, when we've done that, we've talked a little bit about, oh, hey, if you live in South Haven or you live in Memphis or you live in Bartlett or wherever you are, man, have develop a heart for your city, but we've never really talked in depth about Memphis itself. Uh, and I feel like today is the day for us to do that. There are presumably in a room this size a lot of emotions right now over the events of the past 10 days. that I probably don't need to tell you, but just in case you have been under a rock, about nine days ago last Friday, Eliza Fletcher, wife, teacher, mother of two, was kidnapped and eventually murdered uh, on an 8.2-mile run that she makes every morning. Uh, There was a search for her for a number of days before they sadly found her deceased body. Wednesday, while many of our students were here in this building, worshiping Jesus on Wednesday night part of our youth ministry, the 662, there was a shooting spree that took place as a young man, 19 years old, Went on Facebook Live and showed himself going a number of different places. And in fact, reports are that he had shootings probably about seven different places. Uh, Killed four people. Wounded three others. uh, Carjacked a couple of individuals. Untold number of people. Terrified and scared. Told to shelter in place at different schools. We had schools that didn't even meet the following day in Memphis um, out of precaution. Uh, I can't tell you how many of our people either reached out to me specifically or communicated via social media about some very, very strong emotions that they're dealing with. In fact, I would say in the 17 years since I moved to this area, I have never seen people so moved by local events. I've never seen the, the outpouring of, of outrage, of anger, of fear, of heartbreak, of concern for the city of Memphis like I've seen the past three days. Uh, by Thursday afternoon, it had become apparent that my plan for this morning was not God's plan for this morning. We had to go in a different direction and, and speak to the things that we are all wrestling with right now. I don't know where you stand in wake of these tragic events, uh, but I know that there are probably some powerful emotions on some level in most of us. Most of us don't live in Memphis. Most of us live in DeSoto County. A few of us actually do live in Memphis. But I believe all of us are connected to Memphis, I believe that even those of us like me who have a job that is pretty much centered here in DeSoto County, uh, that job only exists because I'm able to serve people who primarily are here because they work in Memphis, right, because they have a connection to Memphis. As Memphis goes, ultimately, so goes DeSoto County. So goes Olive Branch. So goes South Haven. Our connection extends beyond an affinity for the Memphis Tigers or the Memphis Grizzlies, right? It's more than just the local ball teams. Our connection to this city runs very deep. So how do we respond when evil comes to our city? How do we respond when it becomes so evident that Memphis is broken? How do we respond when we see messages going out to our people? Our students telling them there's an active shooter in their neighborhood. How do we respond when we find out that, that what's happened in Memphis has actually come into DeSoto County as the shooter did on Wednesday? Right? The things that happen there are eventually going to happen here in general, but on Wednesday, it literally transitioned across state lines, across city limits into our county. How are we called to respond? Well, I believe that we all have had emotional reactions, and I don't mean to invalidate any of those reactions. Um, I, I think that those reactions are very human and very natural, uh, but I want to point us to the Word of God. How would the Word of God call us to respond to a broken city? So this morning, I want to share with you four biblical responses to the brokenness of Memphis. This is, again, as I say, oftentimes not an exhaustive list. This isn't the only four ways we should respond, but I believe that these are four important responses, four ways that, that God would cause our heart to move in the midst of a very broken season with a very broken city. The first biblical response I would point you to today is that we must respond lovingly. We must respond lovingly. In fact, I've titled this standalone message, We Love Memphis. You can see it here on the stage. Shane and Carolyn quickly pivoted and put something together. I didn't even ask for that. They just made that one happen because they're awesome. Can we give it up for the Shapleys? Uh I titled this message, We Love Memphis. For some of us, that is a statement of faith right now. Some of us can't honestly say we love Memphis right now. Some of us are are angry. Some of us are fearful. Some of us wish we lived somewhere else. That amen came from one of our Memphis residents, by the way. Right? Right? So it's a statement of faith, a declaration of faith for some of us to right now say that we love Memphis. How can you say, Pastor Troy, that, that God would lead us to respond lovingly to a city that, that's produced such, such tragedy, such brokenness, such evil, such violence? How Can we say that? Well, there are a number of reasons why I believe that. I'll give you a few biblical ones this morning for the sake of time. First of all, in Mark 12, 31, amongst other places, Jesus famously says, love your neighbor as yourself. So if we believe we're called to love Olive Branch, we're called to love the city that God has placed us in, and Memphis is our literal neighbor, Right? I mean, I mean, we can drive straight up Hack's Cross and be in Memphis in like seven minutes from our building, right? Like, it is, it is right there. Then I believe that this applies. Obviously, Jesus was speaking to, to people, he was speaking to humans, but I believe that we can apply this very biblically to locations. We're called to love our neighbor as ourselves. For some of you, that's yourself. You live in Memphis. You are Memphis. You are Memphians. For most of us, we can try to create a little distance between ourselves. In fact, I remember as youth pastor, we used to take our, our students on mission trips, and we'd go all over the place, and people would ask us where we're from, and I would usually respond, we're from Memphis, because I know what the national perception is if you say you're from Mississippi. Uh, but... But most of our students would correct me. No, we're not from Memphis. We're from Mississippi. There, there's this distance that we try to create where we're not from Memphis. They're, they're different. They're other. We're better. And we could dig into a lot of the implications of that statement. I think sometimes it's said innocently. I think sometimes there's some more dark reasoning for those statements but the reality is we're Memphis we are we may not vote for Memphis politicians we may not choose who leads that city but we are all part of the Memphis area they're our neighbors and God calls us to love our neighbors as ourselves We have to respond lovingly. This week, uh, Toby Mack, who has an an awesome Facebook account and posts a lot of really cool stuff, he posted something. Go ahead and throw that picture up for me. Uh, He said this, when you think about how many times God has forgiven you, it becomes easier to forgive others. Now, I don't know about you, but that set of tally marks, that's like a week. That's not uh, my lifetime, right? Uh, (laughs) that's, That's a very, very inexhaustive list. Right there, but, but we have to constantly remember God's forgiveness that's been extended to us, God's grace that's been extended to us. That, But for the grace of God, there go I. And it was hard to look at someone who had been recently arrested for attempted murder and imprisoned for that and got out perhaps too early who goes now on another rampage and say, well, yeah, I could end up there. But the reality of my heart is it's sinful beyond measure. The reality of the word of God is that there is no one righteous, no, not even one. And so we have to maintain the perspective of what God's grace has done for us and how it's been extended to us. That doesn't mean we justify sin. That doesn't mean that we celebrate murderers. That's why I'm not including any of the murderers' names. I'm not using their pictures. I'm not trying to draw attention to those who have victimized and brought so much pain and so much horror in our city. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But what I am saying is this. We serve a God who loves even those murderers. That's a hard truth. I remember when I was young, my dad uh, made a comment. In fact, uh, Ted Bundy is a a very famous serial murderer from our area, from Seattle, Washington, and committed a lot of atrocities there. And I remember as as Bundy actually faced the death penalty and as the state of Florida actually took his life, Um, he had a meeting with James Dobson shortly before he went to the electric chair And Dr. Dobson came back and reported that Bundy gave his life to Jesus. Now, we know that Bundy was a very manipulative man, that he was good at telling people what they want to hear. I don't know the condition of Bundy's heart. I don't know if Bundy is with Jesus today or not. I do know this. If he truly repented, he's with Jesus. And I remember my dad saying how hard that was for him to accept. Look at. These people over here who never knew Jesus, but they lived good lives. They were good people, and they're not with Jesus, but, but this scumbag is. This vile murderer is. But what Jesus says is that if you violated one part of the law, you've broken it all. He says if you have hatred in your heart for someone, you've been guilty of murder. And so the reality is... In God's eyes, apart from the grace of Jesus, we're a room full of murderers, too. And that may seem really scandalous and really offensive and really wrong to our flesh. But we underestimate so often the seriousness of our own sin when we compare ourselves to the sin of others. And so God's heart for us, his call for us, is to respond lovingly, to love our neighbors as ourselves. Jeremiah 29, very famous chapter with a very famous verse, has some verses here that I think would be informative for us. In verse 5, this is God speaking to his people as they're about to go into exile. Is they're about to be kicked out of their, their homeland, out of Judah, and taken into exile for 70 years as punishment for their rejection of what God has for them. He says to his people, wherever you go, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Why is that significant? This is the first command God gave people. He said, be fruitful and increase in number. And so as they're getting ready to be carried out into exile, as they're getting carried to a city that they may not love, a city that they may not have chosen, a city that they may not prefer. God says the same things that you knew before are what you're supposed to keep doing now. The same things I've taught you, the same things I've, I've commanded you, these are the same principles I want you to live out in your new home. Verse 7, he says, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if that city prospers, you too will prosper, as they're getting ready to go to to Suva, to Babylon, to Nineveh, to these various cities that they're carried out to and their exile doesn't just take place in one kingdom, the kingdom that exiles them actually gets conquered and they get transferred from one people to another and scattered all over the Middle East, as they're getting ready to be carried away, God says, I want you to love the wicked, oppressive, sinful city that I take you to. Because the way that that city goes is what's going to go for you. I think we can honestly say this morning that the way Memphis goes is the way that things will go for us. right? That, that Memphis is always going to have a deep impact on us. And so whether this was the city of your first choice, whether God brought you here from somewhere else like he did me, or you were born and raised here and bred here, the call is the same. We're called to seek the prosperity of the city which God has placed us in. That's why we call ourselves City Church for Olive Branch, right? But by extension, today we're City Church for Memphis, right? This is the city God has placed us in, and we're called to seek the peace and the prosperity of it. We're called to pray to the Lord, to seek God for it, because if Memphis prospers, we'll prosper. Now, the flip side of that is if Memphis doesn't prosper, we won't right? There's an impact. If Memphis goes the wrong way, if Memphis continues to be broken, it's going to affect us on some level. That doesn't mean that God can't bless us in the midst of the brokenness, that God can't provide for us. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there's ramifications of Memphis's brokenness that will always affect us. So what do we do? Well, first of all, we need to respond lovingly. What does that mean? That means for some of us, we got to develop a heart for the city of Memphis, Instead of distancing ourselves from Memphis, instead of trash talking Memphis every opportunity we get, and instead of dogging Memphis and looking down on Memphis, we actually had to ask God, God, give me a heart for this city. Right now, all I see is the the messed up parts. All I see is the broken pieces of the political system. All I see is the crime rate. All I see is the violence. and, And I don't have a heart for this city. I got a heart to get away from this city. I got a heart to move from here and if God calls you to move then, then move. We talked about last week all the great people that God's moved to other places, right? I'm not saying you got to stay in Memphis for the rest of your life cuz God put you here. I am saying while you're here you got to love this city. This is what God is asking us and leading us to do. So number 1 we must respond lovingly. Number 2 we must respond compassionately. Romans 12:15 says famously, "Rejoice with those who rejoice." So, Corey, we rejoice with you today as the Atlanta Falcons have their first game. I see you wear your jersey. Uh, rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. You can mourn with me because the Seahawks don't have Russell Wilson anymore. It's a hard day. Uh, obviously, that verse means a whole lot more than NFL teams. I'm having some fun with it because it's a heavy day, and we need to have a little bit of fun in the midst of it. God's called us to be people who rejoice with people who rejoice. He's also called us to be people who mourn. With those who mourn. There's a lot of mourning in our city right now. We mourn with the families of these victims. Kids who've lost parents. Parents who've buried their children. You Can imagine the horror of burying your child? Spouses who've lost a life partner, right? There is hurt and tragedy and pain and mourning in our city right now. Even in our church, thankfully, none of us that I'm aware of personally knew any of the victims. But there's mourning for neighborhoods, for schools, for areas that have been so deeply affected. We mourn with you today. We respond with a heart of compassion today. The mistake that we can easily make is get into political arguments and, well, this is what Memphis deserves because they voted for so-and-so. Or this is what they chose because they picked this person or that person. And that's not the first response God would call us to. I'm not saying politics doesn't matter. I'm not saying who we vote for doesn't matter. I'm saying the first response we're called to is when people are in mourning, we mourn with them. We don't tell them they deserve this. Don't tell them they chose this or they earned this. We respond with a heart of compassion towards the pain that they're experiencing. There may be a time down the line when we can lovingly come alongside them and perhaps point them to some different decisions that may affect things differently in the future, some better systems that can be put in place, right? There are are, are ways to do that, but the first response can't be, well, this is what caused all this. We get so quickly into blame games and pointing fingers, and this is not one side of the politics. This is just the American political climate. Anytime there's a tragedy, people immediately try to leverage that tragedy for whatever their favorite political argument is, and it's not of Jesus. It's just not. Our lens that we view events through cannot be first and foremost politically. It must be first and foremost spiritually, Again, I'm not saying politics doesn't matter. I'm not saying who you vote for doesn't matter. Please don't misinterpret me. I think those things matter, but they're secondary. We are called to a bigger kingdom, to a greater kingdom. We are citizens of that kingdom. We are aliens and foreigners here. And so our first response is not to cape up for this political side or that political party. Our first response is what would Jesus do in this situation? And he would respond with compassion. So we mourn with those who are mourning. We respond lovingly. We respond compassionately. Thirdly, we must, oh, actually, you know what? Let me give you some more passage from Romans 12. Romans 12, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. It goes on. It says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Maybe some of us today think we're too good for Memphis. So the word of God says, is be willing to p- associate with people of low position. If you think Memphis is, it has people of low position, then God says, go to them, not away from them. It goes on to say, do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Now, when it says be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone, sometimes that's not possible. Right? <laughs> so it's not saying be, do all things for all people. What it's, what it's saying, as long as it's not violating the word of God, do What's right socially, what's right culturally, what what the the culture is asking you to do or expecting of you. Now, if it violates the word of God, then we stand on the word of God and we don't worry about the culture. But he's saying if it's not a spiritual issue, if it doesn't matter eternally, then then, then we're called to, to pursue peace. In fact, look what it goes on to say, verse 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, now, the sad reality is it wasn't possible for Eliza Fletcher to live at peace with everyone. Someone brought a lack of peace into her life. It's not always possible to live at peace with everyone, and we're not called to just be victims. But as a day-to-day rule, as a general guideline for how we're supposed to live, God's word says, man, we're supposed to pursue Peace. We're chasing after peace. We're seeking peace in every relationship that we can find it. Verse 19, he says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. We talk a lot about a God of grace and a God of mercy, and I'm so grateful that's who we serve. Let's not forget we serve a God of justice. And he says, if you step in to seek vengeance and revenge, you're cheating me out of the opportunity. And my vengeance is so much better. That goes on to say, verse 20, on the contrary. So rather than seeking revenge, what are we called to do? If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, give him something to drink. In so doing, you will heap burning coals upon his head. This echoes so much of what we saw recently in 1 Peter. He called us to love our enemies. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I think right now there are some of us who feel a little overcome by the evil. And that's natural, and I'm not condemning you in this at all. I'm just saying you, God's called us to overcome that evil with good. We serve a God who will overcome that evil with good. To return again to 1 Peter, man, this is just for a little while. This season in Memphis is temporary. God's got greater plans, and we've got to look to that eternal perspective. So we respond lovingly. We respond compassionately. Number three, we must respond courageously. We must respond courageously. What the enemy would have us to do is to shrink back in fear. What the enemy would have us to do is to, to lock ourselves in our home and lock our kids in our home and never interact with anyone, never go anywhere to just make ourselves a hermit or go build, dig a hole in the backyard and put a bunker down there so we can protect everybody and just ride out this life and sustain it. But that's not who God's called us to be. When the, in the parable of the talents, the, the one who took the gift that was given to him and buried it to keep it safe, he was the one that God rejected. He was the one who God took from to give to those who did something, and so we're not called to just go out and hide in a bunker mentality as comforting as that might feel right now. As peaceful as that may be or as appealing as it may look to just go get a place out in the middle of nowhere and get off the grid and ignore the rest of humanity. God's call is for us to love For us to interact, for us to take Jesus to people, and sometimes that requires courage. When a city is broken, when a city is violent, when a city seems to be falling apart, it's easy to try and withdraw, but I don't believe that's what God would call us to do. I believe God would call us to respond. With courage. In fact, one of my favorite passages in Scripture, Revelation 12, 11, says this of a generation to come. It says, they triumphed over him, over the enemy, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, which is the famous part of that verse, and it's an awesome part of that verse, an encouraging part of this verse, but we often leave off the second part. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink back from death. God's looking for a generation to rise up that has such a loose hold on this place and on this life and on this existence that we don't shrink back from death. We follow the call of God. We're just saying, I'm available. Here I am. Send me, right? Are we available right now? Are we available to love a broken city? Are we available to love violent people? Are we available to love people who, who may not act like us, may not live like us, may not look like us all the time? Are we available? Because I believe that's what God would cause us to do. He says we do not love our lives so much as to shrink back from death. It doesn't mean all of us are going to die for telling people about Jesus. In fact, I think the chances are most of us in the room aren't. Statistically, Memphis may be a very unsafe place compared to some other places, but it's also statistically very unlikely that most of us are ever going to experience this kind of violence in our own life. right? Most of us are probably going to be fine. But even if we're not, the eternal perspective is that we're going to respond courageously. We're going to go to those who are hurting, to those who are broken, to those who don't always have it all together. So we respond lovingly, respond compassionately, we respond courageously, and then fourth, we must respond prayerfully. Jeremiah 29, 7, we already saw it, but to reiterate, it says this, it says, also seek the peace of and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Pray to the Lord for what? Not for peace, not for prosperity. Pray to the Lord for the city. Ultimately, pray to the Lord for the peace and prosperity of the city. Because if the city prospers, you too will prosper. We could take some liberties With Jeremiah 29 today and just insert Memphis in there. Seek the peace and prosperity of Memphis to which I have carried you to. Pray to the Lord for Memphis because if Memphis prospers, you too will prosper. We're going to do something a little different today. We're going to do some audience participation rather than me just teaching and preaching and telling you to pray and maybe I pray at the end of service and everybody goes out and we hit Mexican for lunch and then we go watch our favorite NFL team and we move on and maybe we shed a few tears and we had a little bit of emotions at church and cool. We're going to pray for Memphis. So here's what I am going to ask you to do as we prepare, not really to close, but to transition our service. I'm going to ask you to stand up. And I'm gonna call you to get into groups of three to five people, and that's not a hard and fast three to five. If you got two or you got six, you're not going to hell, okay? Uh, we're shooting for, for three to five, and we're gonna pray for Memphis. We're not just gonna to listen to someone on a platform pray. The city needs too much prayer right now. The city needs more prayer than I can simply provide for it. So we are gonna pray. And so I want to empower you, As as, if everybody in your group is comfortable, I want all of you to take some turns and pray out loud for our city. If if some of us, man, like, this is my first time at City Church, I don't know what I signed up for, I don't pray, you're good. Nobody's judging you, nobody's looking down on you. But it's your city too. So I would ask, man, that that you would participate, that you would go before God on behalf of this city, that we would seek the peace and the prosperity of Memphis. So we're going to take a few minutes to do exactly that. So I'm going to ask all of us to, to, to grab somebody, to get with somebody, and to go before God for this city. I'm going to come up and, and wrap us up in prayer, and then we're going to close service a little bit differently. But if you would, you can you can circle up. You can step out into the aisles. Whatever you need to do, man, get together with somebody, and let's go for, before God for this city right now. Pray for healing for those who are hurting. Pray for for wisdom for leaders. Pray for salvation for those who are lost. Let's pray for this city, church. a general prayer to to wrap up this prayer time, but I don't want to cut anybody off. I don't want you to to miss your opportunity to pray with your group. Father God, we thank you right now in Jesus' name for the city of Memphis. God, we thank you for those who are native, those who are born here, who are from here, born and bred, who've grown up here. God, I pray for, thank you for those like us who've been brought here. God, maybe not even expecting to be, but through your sovereign hand, you've brought us here for such a time as this. God, we thank you for this community that's been good to us. God, for this community that's been home to us. God, we lift it up to you right now. God, we just pray right now for for the hearts of our people towards Olive Branch. God, first and foremost, God, give us a a, a heart for, for Olive Branch, God, but we pray you also give us a heart for Memphis. God, for this city right now, God, forgive us for for bitterness, for resentment, God, for, for, for attitudes of, of wishing harm on Memphis. God, we pray that we would have your heart. We believe that you are for Memphis. God, we believe that you love this city because you love the people of this city, because you have a plan for the people of this city, because you sent your son Jesus to die for the people of this city. And so, God, we pray that you give us that same heart, that same compassion, God, that that same courage that Jesus had to step into hurting and broken scenarios, God, to lay down his life for others. God, we need that courage. God, we pray that we would have a heart to pray for this city, not just on a weekend where it's so evident how broken it is. God, but even when things are going well. God, even when when crime isn't in the news, God, that we would lift this city up to you. We would lift its leaders up to you. God, we would lift the people up to you. God, I just pray for a turn of the heart of Memphis towards Jesus right now in Jesus' name. God, I speak revival over the city of Memphis. Father God, that that seeds that have been sown and people would begin to awaken. Lord, your word says that, that the word of God does not return void. We know most of the people of Memphis have heard the gospel. Have experienced what it means to know you at some point in their life God and so we're in now God we pray that you would just awaken your Holy Spirit inside of men and women in the city of Memphis God that even across the city as, as churches are gathered to worship you and honor you right now that your spirit would be moving father God that you would be bringing salvation you would be baptizing people in your spirit God you would be sending people to the nations but also to our city Father God, that you would turn the people the hearts of, of our people to this city. God, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you that you love Memphis and that we can love Memphis too. And we say it and we declare it in faith. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Amen. Can we give God some praise, City Church? <clears throat> Guys, we're gonna wrap our service up a, a little bit differently today. I, asked our worship team to prepare another song. It's very rarely we do five songs in a Sunday, but it's it's a special Sunday. Um, They're gonna sing a song called The Blessing. And this song is rooted in scripture. It's it's the blessing of the word of God that God would speak over us. And so they're gonna sing it over, over you and your kids. I know many of us right now, we're worried about our kids worried about our families, worried about, man, what's going to happen as they grow up in a city with so much violence. So I want you to sing it over your kids and declare that they're blessed, that that angels are going before them and behind them and above them and beneath them and everywhere that they go. But I want you to extend it beyond just the personal application today as well. I want you to sing this over this city. I want us to pronounce a blessing over Memphis. God says that we are blessed to be a blessing. And so the same way that he would pronounce this blessing over us this morning, I believe we can pronounce it over the city, we can pronounce it over civic leaders, over, over police officers who put their lives on the line to bring this guy to justice, right? Over, over men and women who, who, who are hurting this morning, who are broken this morning, who are mourning this morning. We're gonna pronounce a blessing over the city of memphis so i want to empower you to sing if you don't know the song the words will be on the screen it's pretty simple if you do know the song and sing it from your heart and you can close your eyes and stretch your hands to heaven we're going to speak a blessing over our families and over the city of memphis today amen would you join us church i sure. This morning over over Olive Branch and South Haven and Hernando and our hometowns by hail, you God but we speak it specifically today over Memphis we thank you for the city of Memphis we ask you that you turn our heart towards Memphis God your word says you are close to the brokenhearted so we believe God that your heart is turned to Memphis right now your face is turned towards Memphis this morning and so we ask that you would you would bless Memphis. God, that you would prosper Memphis. You would bring peace to Memphis. God, we just speak an end to violence right now in Jesus' name. We just rebuke the plans of the enemy to continue to to stir up death, to stir up abduction and violence. God, we rebuke it in Jesus' name. We rebuke copycats. We rebuke others who would try to make a name for themselves to, to piggyback off of what has happened. God, And we speak peace and prosperity over the city of Memphis. And we thank you, God, for what you're going to do it's in Jesus name we pray everyone said amen amen let's give God some praise church man I love you guys thank you for joining us for this next week we Get to start our new series on the biggest butts in the Bible. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's going to encourage you. It's going to inspire you. Don't miss out on it. We will have prayer partners down front, as we always do at the end of service. If there's anything that we can pray with you about or partner with you, make sure and take advantage of that. We will see you next week, City Church.